Hola, chicas. Welcome to Encuentras Your Voice podcast, the vocal piece of Encuentras Media, to bring you all the hits and highlights of what is happening in the world of all things Latina. I'm your host, Consuelo Crosby, peruana, structural engineer, mother, and Scorpio Energy Latina, ready to hold the mic for you to share your valuable story of living in your authenticity and the success that it brings you. Join our sassy guests as they proudly share how it started, how it's going, and where they are headed to support and encourage the comunidad to amazing success. Your voice is powerful, and it's time we kick it up to maximum volume for everybody to hear. You want representation, then you have come to the perfect comfort zone. Relax into this and feel a major part of something big, bold, and beautiful. Coming to you every Wednesday, 5 p.m. California time, but available to you anywhere in the world because our Latinidad is global. Love having you here, so sit back now and join the fun. Hola, chicas. Welcome to our newly rebranded podcast, Encuentras Your Voice. The evolution of the Lifelinks podcast as we lean into the Latina journey to discover the power of authenticity and the success that follows. I'm your host, Consuelo Crosby, coming to you on this Valentine's Day, sending out all the love for a year filled with the people who see you, support you, and fuel your journey. No negativity here. No reason to hang on to what's weighing you down. So let it go. And as you will hear today, that is exactly what our special guest, Chloe Calio, Latina filmmaker, writer, and director, encourages each of us to strive for as she leads us through her own journey, starting from the little chica growing up in Decoville, Illinois, writing creative stories to feel empowered in a world where she was not enough in either culture. Already sounding familiar? You don't have to be a filmmaker to write this story, right? And yet, following her passion of storytelling, wherever it led her, New York, Chicago, and ultimately Los Angeles, where she was awarded a Los Angeles Latino International Film Festival Fellowship, sponsored by Netflix, to bring her film development to life. The film created from her most authentic voice. You will feel seen in this episode, maybe even track the moments when you may have wanted to quit your own dream journey. Yet Chloe will remind you of all the reasons to keep going. In her own words, let go of what it looks like or what it's supposed to look like or what it's supposed to be and just be present in your life and on your path. Now, those are words you can repeat to yourself daily to be free of expectations and love who you are and what you do authentically, because there's no one else in the world like you. Chloe's the perfect guest to kick off our newly rebranded podcast, Encuentras Your Voice, because we are all about authenticity. Authenticity is your superpower. And once you find it, discover it, lo encuentras, 
it will lead you to the success and happiness that you have been working so hard to create. And in that authentic voice, you are heard, empowered, and things really begin to happen. So get comfy, lean in, and join the conversation with Chloe Cavio, Latina writer, director, and ultimate filmmaker, as she shares her journey and some teasers on what's ahead for her. Welcome to Encuentras Your Voice podcast, our first episode on this new name. And so happy to have Chloe Gallio share her time and her journey with us today. And so honored that you have joined us. So why don't you chime in and tell us a little bit about your upbringing, your heritage, and get us going on who is Chloe Gallio. Yeah, so I'm a 1.5 generation Chicana. Uh, I was born in a little corn town called DeKalb, Illinois, which is like 60 miles west of Chicago. My mom's from Mexico, from Matamoros, Tamalupas. And my dad is was born here, but his parent, his dad's from Mexico. His mom was Tejana. So like fully Latina heritage, but definitely the generational, you know, like having one parent who's an immigrant, one parent born here. And my grandpas had passed away, you know, by the time I was born. But the, so the mm-hmm. matriarchs were my, my abuelas. And one was, we call her macho, which is kind of my mom's mom. And the other is Nana. But I think just coming from seeing the two sides really lift these women and they were very strong and independent and they had both at different parts of of their lives left their husbands after having kids and you know started their own journey so when i was growing up they were dating and were pretty independent so i think that's something i'm just putting that out there because i that's not conventional my sister i have a little sister so we always talk about how like (laughs) that we you know that's kind of affected our our worldview just having all these Mm -hmm. independent women and our mom is is the same she you know, came here at 21 to the U.S., worked in a factory most of my life, and then would also, she was a hairstylist, so she would cut hair in our basement growing up. There'd always be these, like, Spanish-speaking people coming to the door asking for Cortez, Señora Reina. And, <laughs> well, we didn't appreciate it at I the time, it. you know, like, mm-hmm. she really believes in, in what she does now. She has her own business, which is going on almost, I want to say, like, 18 or 19 years in our oh, hometown. wow. Yeah. So, just someone who never really... Uh, she kind of blazed her own trail, never really took what other people might have put on her, like reception wise. So I think that is something that has obviously had a, like fueled my own path as well. Mm-hmm. So my parents are still together and they're, they're super supportive and I, I give them a lot because they, you know, I think my, our family's a little unconventional. I'm super unconventional and <laughs> they, they support us and they love us. What was it like for you growing up in a small town in Illinois? My first language was Spanish, but they threw me into an all English school. So I remember feeling so, you know, ashamed of my accents and in both, both cultures, actually, because then I would go to, to Misa on, on the weekends and those kids would also, they're like, oh, you say this word funny. So like both cultures kind of rejected me. And, you know, you're, it's so confusing when you're a kid and you don't really understand it. So mm-hmm. I was, you know, I think for me, I, I really, it, I, I suppressed a lot, you know, like I really, you know, didn't want to speak up, but I really gravitated towards writing and drawing and that became my, my voice. And I've, so I've always been a storyteller ever since I was little, I would, you know, I was always, always gravitated towards these outsider stories and I would write my little versions of them as well. Were you creating your world when you were doing that? The world you wanted to be in? 
Yeah, they're, they're just the world, you know, I felt, I, I didn't realize, but these, you know, sci-fi, horror, these kind of outsider, fantastical stories, it's in a way how I felt, but I couldn't put a name to it and I couldn't really show it, but these fantastical stories kind of, you know, I, I they kind of showed what I felt like. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was little, I would write the stories and I'd draw little pictures. And now that I'm like, you know, a director, that's called storyboarding. So I was doing that <laughs> as a child, not even knowing, you know, it was just something I did. So my uh-huh. whole life, I, this is always in the background of me writing, creative, creative writing, um, doing arts. I was always artistically inclined, but it was never something that was encouraged. I never knew you could have a job mm-hmm. doing that. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to college, there's definitely this pressure to like go into a real Major <laughs> first gen Latina history. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think I was so like pre med. I I think I, I was trying to be pre med for like one mm-hmm. semester, and then I switched to psychology, the- which is good. I you know I yeah. think I was learning about myself, so it was it was cool to study that, and I think it's just been useful to to learn about people and and cultures, and I've always had that had a perception of having to jump between two cultures and really learn to like you can perceive the class and cultural differences. You learn to adapt to kind of whatever situation you're in. My sophomore year, I walked into this like cultural house on campus. It's called La Casa Cultura Latina. And they had a newsletter and I started volunteering there. And I think I started showing up more than the the people they were paying. So they offered me a job. <laughs> and so I ended up being a co-editor with two other lovely women, Latinas. And wow. so that was, you know, it was cool to be doing that and, and writing and, and editing. So and I, I had my one, my first writing mentor there, uh, Veronica Can, who she worked for the house. And she was the first person who actually told me, like, you could have a career doing this. Oh, you mm-hmm. have an interesting way of writing and, you know, storytelling. And I didn't know how to pursue that. So I remember taking a creative writing class in college and I wrote a story again, because my mom's an immigrant. And you're like, we as kids would volunteer and, and, you know, help families. And I remember writing a story about a, an immigrant man who moves to the U.S. from Mexico and, and kind of like the world through his eyes. And mm-hmm. I was in a room with all these non-diverse classmates and they kind oh. of spoke. I'm like, wow, I never thought to think about like what these people, like what their lives are like. And I think that was kind of the first time I'm like, OK, like, there's just nothing out there that really says uh-huh. that. I mean, there's a couple of movies, you know, growing up. I think El Norte is like my parents' favorites. Film, <laughs> La Bamba, you know, there's a couple of films out there, like, especially right. when I was growing up, but, but very few and far between. Sure. So when I didn't see it really out there, that's when you're just feeling a need. You, you don't see yourself. You want to, you know, mm-hmm. you kind have of to fill that void. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you were little and you go to school mm-hmm. and you're, you're being put into an all English speaking, having only spoken Spanish as a child. And you're realizing, oh, wow, I have to learn this whole new language and learn at the same time. And then you're also learning, oh, and my Spanish isn't quite right either. And you're in the middle of these two. How did that develop as you got older? Where were you on the cultural identity spectrum? Yeah, I mean, as a kid, you're just a constant identity crisis, right? Like, who am I? Why Why do I feel wrong in both cultures? But I think, you know, as you mature and you start to take the, the best of both worlds. And I think that's really for me. I, I took what worked. There's things of both that I really liked. 
there's things, you know, like a cheese that's not. And luckily, I'm not from a family that that's really, you know, where that's really the case. It's not a problem. But I think there's. <laughs> yeah. But I think there's things that you learn to kind of let go of because, you know, they're not right to you. And so the more that I meet people that are authentic and also kind of come from forging their own paths, I think those are the, mm-hmm. the type of people that as an adult, I've, I'm more drawn to. But I definitely have, you know, I have two friends. They've been my best friends since I was like six. And one was from wow. one world and the other is from the other world. And they're still my good friends. Like they would never necessarily hang out <laughs> on their own. But, you know, they're kind of like my two, they represent my, my two worlds very much. So, so you're, you're bridging them. You are the bridge between the two worlds and actively speaking to it in, in your writing and in your creative stories and such as you're growing up. Yeah. And then you learn too, to kind of suppress. There's certain things that you suppress in one culture oh. and then there's certain things you suppress in the other. So mm-hmm. I, what's cool about art is you can just put it out there and, you know, like, figure out a way, like, how do you merge them? And I think for me, you know, art is a lot of finding myself, like how, who am I as a person and, and kind of reckoning with, you know, I think, I think that's why I've always kind of been an artist. It's like, how do I take these two worlds and mesh them together in a way that works for me? Well, did you, did you stay with the psychology? Did you go towards writing? I graduated with a psychology degree. Um, and then after that, after I graduated, I moved back to my hometown and worked in the school district and there's a lot more diversity and you know in those years Uh one of the proudest things I've ever done in my life I started I co-founded a mentoring group for these eighth grade Latina girls called Chicas changing how I can achieve success it's still going Uh on I think it's in two schools now and I think one of the the first girls from the first cohort is runs it now so for me that's it's so cool to see and but at the same time I was like 24, 25, teaching these girls, follow your dreams, do this. And I really was not doing that myself. Mm. Um, So I I got the opportunity. A friend invited me. She was going to law school in New York and she had like a room open for the summer. So I literally, I was like, okay, I'll just go, you know, kind of feel it out. I'm so glad I was so naive. Like I literally (laughs) went to move to New York with like two grand to my name and a dream, like not much else. Uh-huh. And then I ended up living there for five years and that oh, living wow. in New York and yeah, figured it out. Yes. Latino style. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Latino style. So you loved it. You didn't yearn for going to back to your smaller hometown. You love the big city. You love the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And just the people. And New York mm. is such an interesting place. Even, you know, I've, I've lived now in New York, Chicago and Los Angeles. The culture is so different in each city for a lot for mm-hmm. different reasons. So in New York, it's there's a lot of Puerto Ricans and Dominicans and more, you know, like the Caribbean Latinos. And so it was so cool for me to just learn about those cultures. Just the the fact that there's so many different classes and cultures kind of living on top of each other. You really see the whole the full picture of like how everything's connected, even though it doesn't necessarily appear that way. Mm-hmm. So I think that my experience there informs a lot of the types of stories that I tell because I really love I'm a culture clash of a person. So I love doing that in my work. And New York is definitely a place where that just happens naturally. New York also has um, major creativity, lots of filmmaking, lots of studios. Were you leaning towards thinking, okay, here's a place where I could take off in the profession? What I would tell other people is like, you have to live life in order to be able to write about it. So I think the fact that I was in a new world and learning new things and learning about myself, like who am I when my family is not around or when I don't have the support system. So it definitely 
made me grow. And I have some friends from that city that will be they're special people forever because of the things that we went through. We're all finding ourselves. Uh, yeah, I love that. I love that. So, yeah, because you're that's your 20s and you're just extracting yourself out of that hamster wheel of this is what you do next. Then you do this. Then you do that. But now yeah. you you leapt. You jumped off this ledge of freedom and, and you spend the time in New York. It's a great place to figure out who you are. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but it got hard. I was working in education and all of my artists and teacher friends were getting kind of pushed out of Manhattan. So I think it got to the point mm. where I just felt like, why am I here? It feels so hard to just survive here, mm-hmm. you know? And sure. so I needed something else. Um, so I moved back to Chicago and <laughs> I took a, a writing class. I signed up for a writing class at Second City. Um, and the reason I signed up was because when my last job in New York, I worked for a nonprofit and Tina Fey was our ambassador. Oh, you know, what? Tina Fey from SNL and Heck, yeah, 30 yeah. Rock. Is yeah. there any yeah. Tina Fey? Oh, my yeah. Lord. That, oh, so your universe is leading you on saying, OK, girl, here yeah. we go. Uh, so, here. so she, you know, we had a gala oh, wow. and she was on stage. I didn't get to meet her personally, but she was interviewing my boss at the time. And there's something about the way that she spoke. And she was just so sharp and so witty. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I, I want that, you know, like, how do I get that? And then going to Chicago, you see the advertisements for Second City and she's all over them. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, if this helped her, you know, why not? So I took one class as a cold winter in Chicago. <laughs> so uh, and it kind of snowballed from there. You know, it, it, I met some friends. We started <laughs> no making digital, digital sketches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sketch, improv, writing. And then they were starting, Second City was starting to roll out their own film program. So it was like a year long filmmaking oh. program. Mm-hmm. And I applied and got accepted into the second cohort ever. Wow. Uh, so it's called the, the Harold Ramis Film School at the time. Congratulations. No, it was, it was cool. And mm-hmm. I just started a full-time yeah. job. So I, I did this, the program while working a full-time mm-hmm. job. So it's literally like Garrett was like a blur. It's just working, but feeling so fulfilled, mm-hmm. you know. And what's cool about Second City and I guess the, the way that they did things. And also the Chicago, it's more indie. So you really get to do a little bit of everything, which I think is so important to be a director oh. or creative, like learning what it feels like to be in the after shoes, learning about editing, mm. learning about sound, like all of these really important aspects of production that all need to come together to tell a cohesive story. Yeah. More opportunity in Chicago for you to play all the different roles, get really into it. But we just know more about it because there's more access and there's more education. You know, there's more transparency about what it takes to, mm-hmm. to make content and it's not a one size fit all like people yeah. come to it from all walks of life and and there's not a direct way to break into the industry so and for me I, I've kind of come to peace where I just love creating art a year ago I received a grant from La Leaf and it's funded by Netflix so it was a grant for thirty thousand dollars to make a short film I oh, cried gosh. when I got accepted thanks I mean the beautiful thing about you jump that jump up and down and scream. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think like getting accepted into to film school and then getting this grant, it's just I think in both of those applications, I was very, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, I'm bicultural, like I have a very unique point of view. And I really tried to be authentic in the things that I submitted. And so the fact that they both accepted <laughs> my weirdness uh, will be forever grateful. 
With Lalif, it was really a big challenge because you're working in a basically a simulated studio environment. So you're getting notes mm. from executives. You have all these deliverables to me. Wow. And you have to, you know, build a team and, and maintain the visions. The communities, the Latino communities, Black communities, Asian communities talk about breaking in. It's so hard to get in. And, and we, as the audience, people are thinking, wow, that's just like, there's this heavy weight of Hollywood that won't allow it to be done. And yet you're saying, no, you can get in. You can get your voice, your films, your writing. It, it's more about you knowing how to get into these different opportunities. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot more out there. And also, you know, there's one thing about creating your art and there's another thing about the industry recognizing those are two separate kind of mm. things. So I'd say when, okay. if you're trying to make something to get into the industry, it, it's hard. It's different. Like, I, I think for me, my journey has just been making stuff that I haven't seen, you know, making stuff that's fulfilling to me that other people validate or believe in collaborating with people to come up with things together yeah. that we haven't seen and think are interesting. So mm -hmm. I think community is so important. My journey was a lot like following my mom, seeing her on, on the side, kind of building her business, building her own long-term goal. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's just like I'm learning, I'm, I'm doing it. I don't need permission to. Mm -hmm. So I encourage anyone who's interested, take a class, find the community. It doesn't matter how, you know, what age you are. I think all of our stories are valid. And it's a lot about collaboration, just like learning how to tell an authentic uh -huh. story and finding others who share your passions and creating things together. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Okay. That is worth highlighting right now because it is about, like you say, just doing it, doing it for yourself, doing it as part of the process of learning for yourself. And you're, you're setting yourself on a potential for another career path that doesn't just happen overnight, doesn't just happen when you decide you're going to do it. But now Lalif, Lalif is Los Angeles. This is <laughs> the third the city. Yes. And so where did you go? You know, I'm going to apply Lalif. And, and was the Netflix cohort part of that application or is that a second step? It was all, it was kind of a, the same fellowship. It was funded by Netflix, but taking mm -hmm. a couple steps backwards, when the pandemic happened, I think collectively we all had existential crises. <laughs> so for me, I realized I had gotten so disconnected from my art, you know, the, the things that brought me joy oh. that mm. it was kind of a wake up call to like find that again. And as soon as mm -hmm. I started writing, as soon as I really started telling the story, like the hard, difficult stories, like working through my own mm -hmm. stuff, you know, but that's when all these doors started opening. So I really leaned into that. You know, I was starting to get meetings with people in LA. There was starting to be some traction with my writing. I signed with my literary manager the day that I arrived in LA. And that was after oh, having months. Be. Yeah, months of meetings. And literally he mm -hmm. emailed me like the day before we were starting our cross-country journey. We <laughs> scheduled a call uh, the day that I arrived. So I arrived, there's nothing in my apartment. Like literally I was on my phone, no <laughs> electricity. And no Wi-Fi. <laughs> and, you know, so I met with my manager. So, yeah. Oh, that is huge impetus. That is it's like that must have felt like, oh, my goodness, that was not a leap of faith anymore. In that instant, you're like, I am here where I belong. Yeah. Are going to happen. And again, everything that since then has just solidified for the both of us.
believe is Los Angeles Dino International Film. Yes, film festival. It's a film festival. So they have a grant. Yeah, they have a fellowship that's funded through, I think there's a Netflix creative fund. So, and they mm-hmm. choose each year, I want to say 10 filmmakers. So you're in a cohort mm-hmm. and you have to apply with a script. You have to apply for budget. There, there's a bunch of different essays. I think I had to submit a video. So wow. there's a lot of application materials. There's, you had to submit something you directed previously. So it just happened that I was at the point where I had all of this material and I, I was qualified for it. But again, it's like all these things over the years that led up to this moment. And that you were in your heart, in your soul, lining up for yourself. You were following some kind of intuition because no one was yeah. telling you how to do it. And no. you were exposing yourself to at least the industry, but you were it sounds like you were always guiding yourself, whether it was the people, the decision making in Second City, being in New York, something was guiding you towards it. And then you get to Los Angeles and you're prepared with something you had written in a very authentic voice. Very, It feels like putting a stake in the ground, like this is who I am creatively. This is what I represent. And bingo, yeah. that that is the voice that got heard. So let's talk about that script, that script that I got to see the movie. And then I'm thinking everyone has to see this short. This is fantastic. Talk about the script and the short film that came from it in that Lalif cohort that was sponsored by Netflix. Yes. So I applied to the fellowship of a script called Development. It's about a Latina professional who advocates for herself to be a part of a leadership seminar, only to realize that all the trainees are expected to become literal clones of the Nepo baby <laughs> boss. In this, this journey, is, she just happens to be a white man. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> yes. And in this journey, she, she connects with a fellow outsider and together they must figure out how to stop the cloning. It's a genre smash of things, but the, the story came to me again, just feeling like, I was going through an existential crisis. I think I was approaching my 40th birthday. And again, I had these mm-hmm. kind of dual paths. And I think I just felt very stuck in both and just feeling like I, oh. I see people kind of picking one lane and succeeding. And why does it feel like I'm so much slower? And being a certain age and, you know, just feeling like you, like, who am I still? Like, what what is my future, mm-hmm. you know? And so it really came from a place of, you know, vulnerability and, Again, it's I have gotten so many other rejections, you know, at this point from other projects. I'm like, let me just write. What is the craziest thing that I could write that is so me that no one else could write this way? But uh, it's also the whole point, right? Isn't that the, that's the whole point of of having the podcast for us? It's like this is where you can be your authentic self. There is no code switching. There is no okay. Now I have to put on. I'm a filmmaker voice or I'm an author voice, and this is what the audience wants to hear. We want to hear the authentic path, the authentic voice um, that you put out there. But was it, I don't want to be that vulnerable that kept you from writing in that voice before? Or were you trying to please who was reading it? I was just trying to tell a story. Who would be like, I come from a working class family, right? Like who would be my antagonist or who is someone that I feel like, and Mm. it'd be someone who comes from a lot of privilege, who doesn't understand me. From there, I just wanted to kind of show what imposter syndrome felt like. So using Mm. clones. And again, I always have a sci-fi brain. Brain's a little broken. Uh, So for whatever reason, 
the whole vision of this story kind of started with me just thinking one day, like, why is it that I know the names of so many white male billionaires? They'll never like they'll never know who mm-hmm. I am. They're just always in the media. And like, what would happen if I were to be in a room with one of them? What would I say? Would they know my name? And as soon as I pictured it, I saw myself surrounded by like the same archetype. I was like, huh, that's an interesting thoughts. So then it's like working backwards. And, you know, when I wrote the film originally, it was kind of like, how do we, you know, take down the patriarchy and make a statement? Mm-hmm. And I think afterwards, you know, the, through the whole journey, I realized, no, it's about imposter syndrome. It's about like the biggest monsters are from within. And how do you mm. kind of work through your own stuff to be your authentic self? So it was definitely very cathartic and... I, I think it's so allegorical about just what it takes to be an artist yeah. and how do you tell your own stories and be yourself. Mm-hmm. And have that be the power. That is the superpower is when you are your authentic self. And we weren't, we're not going to do any spoilers, right? <laughs> because we're going to have people see this short. Um, you are aiming to have into a full feature. I would say it's more of a sci-fi comedy. And now the plot mm-hmm. is a little different, but I really love the chemistry of the, the two lead actresses. My star producer, Bia Bia, who's become a dear friend and really saw the vision. She really cared about doing this right. There's special effects mm-hmm. components. There's, you know, an accessibility piece. Uh, one of the characters is from the deaf and hard of hearing community. Um, and I, I wrote it for a specific actress, Raquel McPeak-Rodriguez. Uh, but it's, it's based on, you know, a dear friend and just someone who kind of made me see the world in a new way and kind of checked me with my own privilege, too. When this actress that we sent her the script and she accepted, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Oh. Then. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, then Skitty Velasquez, who had just come off of the reboot of Say by the Bell. She was the, the lead on that. Yes. <laughs> And was also in the 40-year-old version. Yes. <laughs> so she came on for the, the lead role of a Stephanie and, and, and also as a producer. So this is a first project where she decided to be a producer on it as well. And then oh, I didn't Sal, that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Yes. She's yeah. super great. Really was a full partner in this. She really cared. Again, like saw the vision, really gave herself brought mm-hmm. something super special to the role. Um, and then Sal Lopez, who was someone I'd seen on a TV yes. growing up. Uh, yes. <laughs> came on to play the role of a Stephanie's father, Marcos. And the, the parent mm-hmm. characters are actually named after my parents because like, when else am I going to be able to, you know, honor them? Oh, that's awesome. So, yes. Yeah. So I think, and you know, Leticia Castillo, we cast as a Stephanie's mom right now. Also super brilliant and great. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the Jeff Lorch, who is the nicest man you could ever cast to play a villain or, you know, like a, a jerky kind of character. Right? Yes. Right. So the cat and, mm. you know, I learned so much from the casting process. We actually yeah. we worked with ABL casting who there's two Latino casting directors. So Alan Luna and Natalie Ballesteros. They're the ones who like connected us to all this amazing people. Wow. Um, but again, it's just like it takes a village and, you know, writing something mm-hmm. so personal where you feel like I don't know if anyone's ever going to understand this. And the fact that people resonated with it, it just kind of showed Huge. me. Yeah. The more that you put yourself out there in an authentic way, I think people mm-hmm. will be drawn to it. What is the thing I can do that like no one else can do? I love this mix because talk about authentic voice. You are the only one 
And the most hopeful thing to me in this recent past is is meeting you and a lot of research on your fellow co- cohorts that were part of this group and realizing, oh my gosh, this voice is out there. We are just not having access to it. I love your examples of your writing. And I, I want to take a moment and just read them out on this episode because I want them to be made. I want to watch these. <laughs> so you have uh, Monstrosity, an hour-long drama pilot. A teen bruja must join forces with an amnesiac ghost and a reluctant vampire to stop a prophesied apocalypse. I want this to be made. And this is, I see where you are on a pedestal now. This is only you. And you weren't saying that Latinas are the largest population of moviegoers anyway. We, we buy the most yeah. tickets, you know, we're a dedicated group. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, so, yeah, we want to see it. And Super Lupe. When supernatural forces begin to wreak havoc in her neighborhood, Lupe, a hero hiding as a maintenance worker, this is hitting so many points, must summon her long dormant superpowers to save the city. I think you were Lupe for yourself <laughs> and reaching this point of writing and having... um development accepted into the short films but these are amazing yeah thank you so much for for reading that and you know like I'm, I'm glad that they resonated with you and i think part of the reason i'm drawn to genre is because a lot of us latinas you know how we see ourselves we don't have sometimes a lot of agency in the mm-hmm. roles that we get or so I, if you can get make someone a superhero or put them in a strange situation automatically you can give them agency and, and kind of set them apart and and be allegorical. Like you don't have to be so literal with showing generational trauma or some of the things that we have gone through mm-hmm. with our families and past. Yeah. But there's other ways to play with with some of those aspects. You definitely hit the point. So like we get it. But like you're saying, you don't have to pause there and go deep into it. You know, the stereotypical maintenance worker. Let's not stop there. Let's bring out the light, the hope, the future, the opportunity and and go there and and change that stereotype, right? And Super Lupe, fun fact: I actually made that as yes. my thesis short in film school. So there is a short film, and I have you know the, the pilots. I do think that's a character that we haven't seen, even with all the superhero kind of stuff out there. It's someone who's terrified mm-hmm. of her power, and she's seen as powerless by everyone around her. I love that film so much because I filmed it at my office. Like they gave me permission to film there. <laughs> and uh, the actual nice. maintenance, the Latina maintenance worker who ran she let us use, like she saw us rehearsing and I told her about the project. She's kind of, she was a friend. And so she let yeah. us use her actual, yeah, equipment and uniform. So that was so special. She got a special Aww. thanks. But, Aww. and then, you know, when I've screened it at places, the people that come up to me to talk about it, it just makes me so happy. And it's more of an ode to, yeah, the, the first gens, the immigrants who come here and like, you don't know what they've been through. <laughs> and you, exactly. you kind of just see them at face value sometimes. So I really wanted to change the narrative. Where is the Latina Buffy? You know, what's what's the <laughs> yes. what's our version of that? Totally. So I could imagine when people are watching your movies, watching these shorts, and if something resonates, it's like, oh, wow, that's right. I'm still holding myself back. I'm still not being my authentic self because... This is making me want to bring it out more, right? Yeah, and I, th- I think you're right on. 
you know, even though I tell like antestical stories, the characters all have really human mm -hmm. emotions and even the, you know, the monsters and the other types of creatures, it's like they're complex and I try to make them, you know, three dimensional. I'm so drawn by you know, how do you show some of these things you can't see or can't touch in society. And that is kind yeah. of just what I'm drawn to as a creative. Yeah, they're fantastic because just personally and everyone's going to be different. I think that's the beauty of what you're putting out there. It's very open for everyone to have their own personal experience with it, have their own personal experience in understanding what you're portraying. But yet, I would say personally for me, that's like, okay, I've lived that monstrosity as with my own siblings. <laughs> They're the monsters. They're the, the ones that are just creating this, oh my goodness, hellacious world. Yeah, I would, I would want to be the slayer. I would be that slayer and... Yeah, I think you are. I think, I think you are in a very non-literal sense, but I think you carry yeah. that spirit. Yeah. Yes. With writing, they say that sometimes the, the more authentic that you make something, the more universal it is. So I think those things where, yeah, you can have these ma made up characters, but you give them your flaws, you give them, you know, hopes and dreams and challenges. Mm -hmm. And that's what people are drawn to. Yeah, we see ourselves in that because you... Right. You're not interested in someone who's perfect and has it all and it's so easy. It's like, yeah, right, whatever. That's not real. Like I've really put in the work to study, to learn the crafts. Uh, and again, the industry, it's, uh, it's, it's changing, but it's not just the one thing that you make. You know, you have to keep yeah. creating. You have to learn. Like rejection is 99% of the experience and it's all the mm. things you don't see. Oh, that sounds so insanely difficult to put yourself through over and over. But then the power of the passion that makes it, okay, just part of the process. Like accepting this is part of the process, but at least I get to get my work out there, my voice out there, my authenticity out there. What can we do as the audience, as potential investors, as affecting change uh, to have the Latina and the Latino filmmakers work brought out to more accessible. As a community, number one, nurture the artists. They're there. They're the kids. They're the neighbors. They're our cousins. So nurture the artists. <laughs> number one, uh, encourage, encourage them, them to do it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And number two, like the what we consume. We do have shows. Support them. Watch them. Building that base having a dedicated base and it's not well not every latino show is going to be for all of us either just don't watch the things that feel like they're pandering to us right right there's a difference find the yeah. difference like just because they're on the screen doesn't mean that it came from an authentic voice genuine voice right. how do you see your life changing now are you entering into ownership of a, a different chloe than you've been in the past Definitely. I think this year there's been so much change and self-empowerment for me. So a lot of it is, you know, holding on to the things same as, you know, my, my journey with my identity, like holding on to the things that are serving me, you know, that are positive and sometimes letting go of things that aren't. And now I'm at the point where I kind of have a better sense of who I am and what I want to do. So being more intentional with the steps that I'm taking to get there mm. and trying to do it with as much, you know, love and care and consideration as possible. That sounds beautiful. 
letting go of, of what it looks like or what it's supposed to look like or what it's supposed to be and just being present in, in your life and, in, you know, and your path. Oh, I love that. Yeah, absolutely love that. That is so strong. That's going to be your quote. That's going to be <laughs> that's going to resonate with everybody. Um, oh, for so long, you always have visions. You can um, really, obviously, manifest the visions you have as your creative side. What do you see for yourself? What is like the furthest out there that you just like? Yeah, what did that happen? What yeah. does that look like? I would love to direct a movie. I would love to direct like a feature that I wrote. So I think that putting that energy out there and how it happens, it doesn't have, you know, it can just be an indie movie. It can be something small and continuing to collaborate and tell unconventional stories. Like I don't try to limit myself with what I need to do or how it needs to happen. So just continuing to learn and, and be involved somehow in telling those stories. It's just personally gratifying to me. If you'd like people to reach out, what's the best way to uh, reach out to you on and any social media you'd like to mention? Sure. On the on the gram, I'm Coco.Loca uh, to my mother's horror. <laughs> um, <laughs> and my, my website is www.coco-loca.com. If, if there's anything that I can get through, it's like this, It's it's been a journey for me to get here. And I'm so proud of all the things, little imperfect things I've made on the way to development and development too. It's, it's something I'm I'm learning, I'm growing. So I, I'm just enjoying the ride. And, you know, definitely if anything speaks to you, happy to hear it always. Awesome. Awesome. You're a pleasure. Oh my God. Absolute pleasure. Love this. Do you have a favorite cafecito place? I do. It's Piscaresca Barra, the cafe. It's here in LA. Uh, I want to say Boyle Heights. So they have a little pop-up mm. at Silver Lake, but they're uh, owned, they're a Latino-owned coffee shop. So they have this awesome cafe. Oh, okay. They oh yeah. So Oh, yeah. is that your favorite then? Mm. Oh, I love it. I yeah. try to make this I try to do a rip-off at, at home, but it's not the same. <laughs> and that's why we thank God they have them. Yeah. <laughs> This has been absolutely fantastic. I, you you speak to such a wide breadth of the human condition and, and actual life, but I love your positivity. That is your authentic voice. And I really appreciate that you have this platform to bring that out. And I, I appreciate you, you too. It. Same, same. I feel like when we met, we definitely, you're a kindred <laughs> spirit. You're also putting something that doesn't exist into the world that's much needed. When, when you're connected to your purpose, that's when it flourishes. Mm -hmm. It is fueling. Yeah. yeah. I love how we showed up in matching furs, too. It's oh, like, yeah, of, of course, course you did. did. <laughs> of course you did. Oh, that was such a fun night. And that that was new filmmakers Los in Angeles. Los Angeles. Well, I really, really appreciate you sharing so much with us in your authentic voice, in your genuine view in the world. Um, it has been an exciting episode. And that hope and positivity of what's coming. So thank you so, so very much. Yeah. Thank you so much for finding me. I feel like this was, you know, it was meant to be and always a pleasure chatting with you. And I'm so excited for where this goes. Chloe Cadillo, Latina filmmaker and so much more. A beautiful mujer with a deep soulful spirit reminding us to follow our dream by staying present in our every day. That can be so hard, so difficult when you think your present day is maybe just answering emails, meeting deadlines, and making sure you hydrate, right? Mm, there's so much more to it. Her joyful persistence and positivity is exactly 
the voice we want behind the films and screenwritings that she's bringing to life. Do we really want to see another version of Planet of the Apes? Or do we want to see a story where we feel seen and understood? That is not a tough choice. We are so lucky, truly blessed, that Chloe insisted on her authenticity on a big platform because that's where we can join in and be reminded of our power. And yes, even in her screenwriting, our Latina superpower. So join us next week for our Pod Club episode, where we focus in on the gems we heard here today from Chloe and how it applies to our everyday. These are the takeaways consolidated into a 15-minute episode that you can carry with you all the time. And let's act on the one ask from Chloe and other Latina filmmakers you will hear this season when it comes to our role in the comunidad. So take a moment this week and seek out the Latina films on the streaming platforms. You're going to be surprised. Once you start doing a deep dive, there are a lot of short films out there. And once you watch one, maybe 10 or 15 minute amazing film, that AI will start introducing you to one after the other and you will be hooked. You will be hooked. You will be so happy. One, that they're there. Two, that you could replace yourself into these movies easily. But it is up to us to discover them, watch them, and follow the filmmakers, the actors, and the crew in solidarity so that they can keep doing their dream, which is entirely benefiting all of us on the other side of the camera. So join us next week in our Pod Club episode, and let's see what films you discover this week. Always appreciate you in this community. You are everything. And together, we are glorious. We are powerful. And we are changing how things have been done. Share this podcast with your friends and family. Drop a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And then follow or subscribe on it so that you don't miss a single episode of the amazing Latinas that you will love to know. We are your 100% Latina representation platform. Love to hear your ideas. And if you have someone you would love to hear on the show, then reach out to us on Instagram, Encuentras Your Voice, and we will work our magic. Until next week, step into your truth, ladies. Ciao! Be sure to follow and subscribe to the Encuentros Your Voice podcast so you don't miss a single episode. They will automatically drop into your listening device each week. And we'd really, really appreciate if you take a moment to add to the reviews that we already have. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you're hoping to hear. And we will get there. Share this with your friends and family to help us grow our comunidad and keep following us on our social media. Cuentras Your Voice. We are so grateful to you for helping us grow this community and would love to learn of all the amazing Latinas who you know are creating the world we thrive in. So reach out to me on social media at Encuentras Your Voice and let's keep leaning into our authenticity and pride. Help us make Encuentras Your Voice the place where you are 100% represented.